Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, Sean Gaby here with the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, talking about the difference between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. We all have a leader within. Why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're listening on any audio podcast platform or you're watching via video on YouTube, which by the way, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our relatively new YouTube channel, as well as if you want, uh, just so you know, share the fact that we're on every single audio podcast podcast platform really available so you can get us anywhere but rate it review it like it subscribe to it share it with your friends uh all your co-workers i know that this will be of great benefit as you know we believe that everyone out there has a leader within and so we're trying to make that leader a little more supernatural and so we have guests on here frequently we have uh, our personal content on here and i just love when we have the opportunity to have guests on here hang out with friends meet new people and share them with you uh, there's so much good content out there that just lives and dwells within these amazing individuals and today we have another amazing individual coming on uh named jay koopman lives in California and uh, someone that I've I've met several years ago now, actually, and just recently really connected with and super thankful, inspired by his life, inspired by what he does, what he carries, what he believes for. And I just want to give you a little bit of an introduction before I bring him on. Uh, once again, his name's Jay, Jay Koopman, and uh, he's been in full-time ministry for 26 years, dedicating his life to serve amazing pastors and generals in the faith. Jay's has a radical passion uh, for Jesus, he's brought the message of hope, healing, and restoration all around the world. In 2003, in the city of Los Angeles, Jay pastored a young adult and youth ministry that broke out in revival. We all like revival. It grew from 20 to 500 people in a matter of two years. He's a gifted preacher, motivator, and leader that God has used to bring revival to churches. And Jay has a desire to use his experience of revival and church growth to raise kingdom leaders for the next generation. Now, some of you also may know him because in 2020, he joined Sean Foyt of the Lettuce Worship Movement in the midst of a crazy, wild pandemic, and they begin to travel and see revival across America together, and they've seen thousands, thousands get saved, baptized, and empowered to stand boldly for the gospel. And actually, recently, we just hosted here in Ottawa one of those events, and so like he said in his, uh, like I said in his introduction, like powerful things are happening uh not only in america but in canada because of what jay brings and as long as long uh, along with of course sean foyt so jay welcome to the supernatural leadership podcast what is going on what's up bro miss you guys already man had a good time in canada eh? <laughs> <laughs> yes you did i i loved having you man loved connecting with you and i know we met like way back I don't even know now, maybe like a decade ago or eight years ago uh, in Pasadena. I feel like, I think we said this before, like we were in an intelligentsia coffee shop. We had coffee together, a bunch of leaders. And uh, yeah, man, I just remember uh, seeing, seeing you in that, in that coffee shop and connecting with you. And, and of course, seeing you at all the HIM events down in Pasadena, Atrock church and man, just loving what you carry, loving your ministry, loving the gifts that God's put inside of you. And uh, I'm happy to have you on this podcast, man. I feel like there's going to be some good content come out today. We're going to dive deep. And before we do that, I'd love for the listeners to get a little bit of a pulse on who you are, where you came from. I know I read your bio, but there's so much more to you. Yeah. Bring us into the supernatural leadership origin story of Jay Koopman. Yeah, well, thank you, man. And, and by the way, uh, just connecting with you over the years, but actually really getting able to spend time with you and your team in Canada was so refreshing for me just to see that pastoral side and that leadership style. And um, I felt like we we built a kindred spirit of having the same values and the yeah. same heart, and, um, the way we want to raise our family. So, you know, I wouldn't be on here if it wasn't for the, the I, I really don't do things anymore out of just you know, just to do it. If I, if I, especially when it's like a podcast, 
Like I have to really value the person um, to, 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 to invest my time, especially with my schedule. So right. I'm doing this because I have a great deal of respect for you and what you carry. So thank you for hosting us so well, but my story, um, you know, man, I, I was, I was really born in a very bad family. I mean, my, my wow. mom and dad was the two bad apples of their bunch. And it's the reason why I say that is because the little bit of manners that I do have is because of my aunts and uncles and my grandparents that were really good people. But my parents really ruined my life. My dad went to prison at an early age. My mom remarried to my stepfather, who I believe was my dad, and his family was super corrupt. I mean, I money laundering, drug scheming, working with crooked cops. You know, he turned my mom into a prostitute that I didn't know that until she told me at 12 years old. And wow. uh, just wow. man, just being abused, physically abused, you know, um, going back and forth to my grandparents with them trying to rescue me, but always wanting to be with my mom, you know, and it got wow. to the point to where I was doing drugs with my mom. I was selling drugs with my mom. I, you know, uh, developing this anger and rage towards um, you know, my family and anybody around me, because I'm, I'm so hurting on the inside because I know that wow. my mom is a prostitute. And when you I were mean, living where at the time, where were you living? Uh, at the time? I was, I found out she was a prostitute at 12. And I, man, when I heard that I turned into this, like me against the world, I was just, man, the anger now that I look back was just demonic, you know, wow. this was all in California. No, this was actually in she I was in South Carolina. And then when she told me that we were living in North Carolina, so I was born in South Carolina, but Got my it. parents really ruined my life the majority of the time in North Carolina. And so, um, you know, it, it's one of those things to where you, you start actually believing. And back then, like Tupac was really big, you know, yeah. it's when you're listening to message like back the gangster rap in those days was way different than today. You know, yeah. um, gangsters didn't do drugs. They sold drugs. And and they almost like Tupac was almost like Jesus to us. Like he made you feel like you were born to do this. I remember, so yeah. having all this demonic like lifestyle and drug infested home and there's no hope. And then you're listening to other leaders like like a Tupac or, or, or any of those rappers back in the days, like, like yeah. cause they were basically relating to us because their parents were the same way. Their parents right. were crack. Addicts. And, 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 and so we all believe that this was the life that was given to us. So now I'm, I'm, you know, being, uh, my grandparents are trying to rescue me. They put me in a children's home. Now I'm around a bunch of other kids just like me. And all we're doing is, is rubbing off on each other and making each other worse. I get wow. kicked out of the children's home for, having, um, you know, having a gun and selling drugs, um, at the public school. And you were and, 12 still at this point. Uh, by that time I was, I was, I was, I got kicked out at like 14. Cause this okay. was very fast. Like when my mom told me she was a prostitute, it wasn't long after that, that she, uh, my grandmother came and got me, um, just because wow. I just started rebelling. My mom started doing more drugs. I mean, it was just, it's a crazy long story. And, um, so, I would say by, by, by 13, I'm in the, my grandmother tried to help me for like about six months or whatever. Then I'm in, I'm, she sends me to an orphanage. I only lasted in the orphanage for about a year and a half, somewhere around in there. And um, I get kicked out of the orphanage. And the interesting thing is my stepdad who, um, who really messed my mother's life up. I, mean, I can't blame him. She was already messed up. He just helped it. Right. Um, he ends up leaving my mom and going back to live with his uncle, which is my great uncle, step great uncle, who was the middleman between the Hells Angels and the Italian Mafia. Wow. And so South Carolina is dead in the middle of the East Coast. So they built electric motor companies off of drug money. And now I'm living with this family that is super corrupt and has a lot of power, a lot of money. And I'm like, I almost feel elevated now. I feel like now I'm around what I was created to do. And um, from that moment on, man, I was selling drugs and 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 working with a very smart blue collar crime drug front. And uh, 16 years old, I, I got caught with drugs in my car. 17 years old, I was caught in a drive by shooting. Um, and the crazy thing is, is my my uncle, the the one that's the ring leader. He married a girl 20 years younger than him that was beautiful. And she ends up going to church and getting saved. Wow. And we preach, he, we would be in her house, 
like picking up the dope and she would be preaching to us. Wow. I mean, you're how, you're how old now at this point? Now, now I'm, I'm like, well, she's preaching to me between the ages because I got kicked out of the orphanage at like 15, 14, 15. So she's preaching to me from 16 to 18. And wow. me and my cousins are looking at her going, you're freaking crazy. You're married to the biggest drug dealer in South Carolina. And you're talking about Jesus. And we're like, your Jesus isn't real. And and she she, you know, she would keep preaching to us. And and one day I just got mad at her. Uh, and I just said, listen, like you quit preaching this Jesus stuff to me. She said, OK, I'll quit preaching Jesus if you promise me no matter how high you are, no matter if you what type of trouble you get in, you'll call me first. And wow. I didn't know what she was saying at the time, man, but I ended up getting arrested with three trafficking charges and I'm in jail and I haven't called anybody for three months. I'm ready to face my time like a man. And wow. um, I, I this this security guard, this black lady comes to my jail cell. She's a security guard. And she says, are you Jay Koopman? And I said, yes. Yeah. She goes, we need the, you to go call your aunt. And I said, excuse me. She goes, yeah, your aunt. And I, so I said, so they, they open up the jail cell. I walk down. She goes, it's illegal for us to tell you to do this. And, and we don't give messages in jail. And we told your aunt this, but she doesn't take no for an answer. She told us, if you don't get my nephew on the phone, I'm going to call here every day and annoy you. And the phone's going to ring all day long until you get him on the phone. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, Man. Fast forward, I call her. The very first thing she says is, is, I kept my promise and you didn't keep yours. And I said, I'm going to prison. I said, my life's over. And she says, Jesus wants to help you. And I said, and I just screamed it out in the jail. I said, how is he going to help me? I'm going to prison. Wow. And then she told me about uh, Teen Challenge and 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 what I'd be willing to go. And at the time, I didn't care where I went. I just wanted to get out of my prison. Did you even people. know what Teen Challenge was? No, man. I just remember saying, you're going to go. It's going to be all church. You can't talk to girls. You, you're, you're there for a year, but it's going to cut your, your, your prison sentence down. I didn't know anything about it. But the crazy thing is, is you have to plead guilty and take a chance that the judge will agree to this. So I signed a right. guilty plea saying that I would go and then they go to present it to the judge. And what's crazy is I was supposed to go to court the day before or the day that I was supposed to go to court. My aunt goes up there and they don't call me in. So at three o'clock when we can make our phone calls, I call her. I'm like, hey, I thought I was supposed to go to court today. And she said, me too. I talked to the solicitor in the states. The solicitor is the person that represents the state that's against you. Right. right? The judge is the mediator, the state against you. And the solicitor told my aunt that your your nephew's not a petty drug dealer. And I don't, you know, I don't think this guilty plea is going to work. I think the judge is going to stick him. And my aunt walked away praying. And wow. Uh, and 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 the lady called her back and said, come back. And she comes back. He goes, listen, I can't promise you anything, but I'll do what I can. Well, the next day, the judge, with well, the way the court system works, bro, is you get judges rotate in the states. And so whatever judge you get, you can't pick another one. And I got the worst judge. I got the hanging judge. He doesn't give any deals. So I stand before him in the next day and he goes, I'm gonna make an example out of you. And before I do, would, would anybody like to speak for this young man? Well, my public defender, who's a state represented lawyer says, you know what his aunt would. So now my beautiful aunt, who's like six wow. foot four, stands up in the courtroom and says, your honor, you don't know him. If you send him to prison, he's going to come back worse. We've seen how this stuff has messed his life up. He's never had a chance. If you just send him to this program, Teen Challenge, I believe that Jesus can change his life. And wow. when you say the name Jesus, there's power in the name. He, You could tell he wasn't a Christian or a believer. He didn't like that she said that. But it, whatever she said, it must have worked because he rumbled for a minute. He goes, I don't want to hear that. But here's what I am going to do. I'm going to let you go to this program. And if you don't complete it, I'm going to give you your maximum sentence, which is 25 years. Wow. So, crazy. Bro, <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I go to Teen Challenge, man. And, and here's what's crazy. On the way there, I'm riding in the car with her. I'm this, I'm this white trash drug dealing, like, corrupted guy no education i'm riding in the car with her and i'm looking at this car dealership as we drive and i'm like darlene what am i going to do when i get out of here because i had no clue what to do all i knew how to do was sell dope i'm like what am i going to do like like i guess i can sell cars they're kind of like drug dealers car dealers you know and she laughs right. goes you're going to preach the gospel she goes Man. i haven't saw you in a dream you're preaching the gospel god showed me 
And so, anyways, make so are you, like, are you like at this point, are you like kind of annoyed because, or are you kind of being more open or you're susceptible at this point? Are you still like, stop talking to me about Jesus? Stop, like, yeah, what were you thinking? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looked at her like, I thought preachers, I didn't know there was cool preachers like you, I thought they wore a robe <laughs> and dress. I was like, there's no way I'm ever preaching the gospel. That's crazy. She goes, you don't know what God showed me. And the interesting thing in that story is you got this woman married to a drug dealer who the Lord is using to give her a dream about me. Wild. I mean, how does re relate how religion, where does religion fit in that? Yeah. Does that make sense? For sure. To rescue me. And so I go in. And the crazy thing is, bro, is I go into this program just trying to do my time. I pull my hat over my eyes. Don't look at nobody trying to I'm treating it like it's prison. And I lose my temper because I've got this uncontrollable anger problem. And this is where the supernatural stuff gets crazy for me, bro. I'm trying to just be a behave well, because if you get kicked out, you're doing 25 years. This counselor comes in and rubs me the wrong way. I lose my temper. I break everything in my room fall asleep, wake up, wishing that I, you know, that wishing that I, I I wouldn't have done that, like realizing that my anger is out of my own control. Wow. So I go to the pastor's office, the director, and he's like, do you want to stay here? And I'm like, yeah, he goes, you got to get rid of that anger. And I just broke down and I cried. And I said, I said, sir, I can do whatever you want, but I can't get rid of this anger. I've hurt a lot of people. I've hurt myself. I've hurt my own, my grandmother. I mean, cause dude, I, when my grandmother tried to help me, I pushed her down one time, you know, for spanking me. I mean, wow. I, I put guns in my mouth in front of my, my family. Like I was going to kill myself. I mean, I was just, it was just demonic, man. And wow. uh, he said, Jay, Jesus can help you. Well, the next day at, at the chapel service, I finally, for the first time shared, I said, I said, guys, I want to let you know why I'm so angry. And I didn't do it because I was knew what a testimony was. Right. I did it. So they would leave me alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Like, I didn't even know this Christian -y stuff, man. I'm like, here's my issues. Leave me the alone. That's what right. I was. Right. But I shared it and all the guys are crying. And then this other, they, the pastor says, why don't we pray for him? And they lay their hands on him and they're praying. And this guy, this other guy who'd only been in Teen Challenge for like probably a month in heroin addict says, bro, I had a dream about you last night. And I'm like, no way. I saw you in the harvest field and their wheat was just crazy. You were holding a sickle and there was a smile on your face. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about, dude? What's like, a sickle? <laughs> what's a sickle? Like, am I going to be a farmer or what, dude? Like, you know, you don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. these Christian dreams, when you give them to lost people, they have no clue what the heck you're talking about, man. Right, totally. Yeah. And so I'm like, he goes, no, man, the harvest, the wheat stands for, you're going to, you're going to be a part of an end time move of God and you're going to save souls. And I can't even see all the souls you're going to save. And those sickles wow. Peter and the smile that God's going to deliver you. And I said, really? And he goes, but I know what your problem is now. And I said, what? He goes, you need to forgive your mom and dad. Wow. Bro, I, never, I never thought that even knew that that was what you were supposed to do. It just wasn't in my language. Wow. He said, he said Jay, if you forgive them, God's going to deliver you. So that night I, I was doing anything to get rid of this anger, man, because I really did hurt good loved ones, aunts and uncles and grandparents. Like I wanted them to love me again. So I wrote my mom a letter, my dad a letter. I don't know if they got it, but the crazy thing is, bro, is the very next Sunday was Mother's Day. I'm sitting in church and I heard the audible voice of God. I've only heard the audible voice of God two times in my whole life. I, he speaks to my spirit, but I heard his voice. And he, and during on Mother's Day, now on Teen Challenge, you only get one 15-minute phone call a week in the first phase, Okay. I would always call my grandmother. I hadn't talked to my mom in years. The last time I talked to my mom, I was 16. I saw her on the street. She was a full-blown prostitute. And I said, I don't talk to, pro you know, I said the bad word. I don't talk to the H's, get away from me, or the WH's. Right. And um, I loved her so much, I hated her. And wow. so I heard Man. the out of a voice say on Mother's Day in church to call my mom. And I think God spoke to me with the audible voice because I didn't pray. And it, it does only way could get my attention. So as soon as we got done with church, I went to the counselor. I'm like, hey man, can I call, can I, can I call my mom? And he can I make my phone call? And he goes, Why are you in such a hurry? I said, bro, I want to call my mother. And he had just heard my story. And so he goes, Okay, let's call her right now. So I called her. And as soon as she answered, I couldn't even believe she answered the phone number that I had. She said, I heard you're in a Christian program. And I said, Yeah. And she goes, Well, Jay, wow. I said, Mom, I need to stop you right now. I said, Let me talk. And I said, 
mom, I, I need to tell you that, that I forgive you well, for what you've done to me. And I need to tell you that I'm sorry for being mad at you all these years, bro. My mom broke down and started bawling. And she just wow. said, I've gotten high my whole life because I'm so ashamed of what I've done to you. Wow. Wow. Bro, we cried on the phone for 15 minutes. And I said in the end, I said, mom, I don't know how, I don't know when, but one day we're going to be free. Wow. Dude, I'm only like two months in a program. I'm not even really a Christian yet. And how old are you at this point? 18. Okay. So check this out. Here's where it gets cool. And then we can... So the very next Wednesday, we go to this church. Now, in Teen Challenge, they never tell you which church you're going to because they don't want you to get somebody to meet you there with drugs. So you just get surprised. You end up at the church. They rotate them all the time. So we <laughs> okay. go to Rockingham, North Carolina, to this church, and this pastor's preaching, bro. I'm actually looking at these hot girls on the front row because I'm, like, not even saved. I'm like, man, these Christian girls are hot, man. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, dude, people would get up and go to the altar and they would leave their purses. And I'm like, why didn't I come here? You know what I mean? We could have sold everything. That's the way I'm thinking, bro. Right, right. I'm not even like a Christian yet. Yeah. It's so the pastor. And he's like, hey, listen, he's talking about hearing from God. He's like, listen, I, I'm hearing from God right now. If you feel like you have an unclean spirit, come down here. Where, dude, all the Teen Challenge guys, we all go down. It's like 30 of us men go down there, drug addicts, crack addicts, thieves. We all go down. And uh, he starts praying in the spirit. He starts praying in tongues. And I don't even know what tongues are at the time. I'm sitting there like, what's going on? What are you doing? Sha -ba 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 what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. He walks <laughs> by me two times, bro. He still hasn't prayed for me or anybody. Then finally, the third time, he still hasn't prayed for anybody. He stops right in front of me with his eyes closed. And he goes, there he is. He said, Father, in the name of Jesus. And he didn't even touch me. Dude, I shot to the ground. I start screaming and crying. And I'm wow. under the pew. And the guy that has the dream about me walks up to me. And he goes, Jay, bro. I, he, said, he said, Jay, because you forgave your mom and your dad, God's delivering you of this anger. Wow. And I'm, I can man. feel something, man. And he goes, dude, you need to accept Jesus. So I go back to the stage. I get up. I'm like crying, sobbing. I'm like, I'm like, look at the pastor. I'm like, I'm like, Pastor Sean. I'm like, not you, not you, but yeah. to make it up right now. I'm yeah. like, Pastor, I, I don't know if you know what just happened to me, man, but I something just evil just left me. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, I want to know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? I asked the pastor if he knows Jesus. He's like, <laughs> yes, man, I know Jesus. I'm like, would you lead me to Jesus? Wow. And he led me to Jesus, bro. And I felt God's glory come over me. And that night, man, uh, I get in my room and I said a prayer. I said, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll, I'll preach to the ends of the earth, but I don't just want to know you or know about you. I want to encounter you. I want more of you. And I want to know how real you are. Within a few months, bro, I go and visit my mom for the first time, have a four day pass. And I said, mom, they got cool churches with rock bands now, man. I'm like, this, they wear jeans. Like we should go to this church. Cause she said, I'll, I'll, if you come visit, I'll go to church with you. Well, we go to church and my mom and my little sister at the time and my mom's boyfriend who got my mom pregnant off of prostitution money. My sister's a result of prostitution. Okay. So this is not your stepdad now. No, this is my mom's new boyfriend. Got it. Got it. They, go to the altar, they give their life to Jesus and they wow. radically get transformed. Then wow. my mom gets fully delivered from drugs. Wow, um, man. And, and yeah, man. So that's the story. And I mean, I've been preaching my whole life that God just doesn't want to save you and deliver you, but he wants to save your whole family. So that <laughs> happened at 18. Obviously you didn't get kicked out of teen challenge. So you lasted the full year. And then I the, did. Ju the judge said, okay, you're good. Like what happened next? You yeah, get man. After a so year. I after a year, bro, I was, I didn't have nowhere to go. And, and like a teen challenge, you kind of got to get picked. You can submit like an application to work there. But like, I was like the one dude, like I, I, even though I was trying to change, I was so jacked up as a person that changing me was still a process because sure. when you know nothing but wrong, you don't even know what good looks like. So I was right. still a manipulator. I was still a deceiving. I was still, I had all this stuff in me that throughout the, you know, 12 months of being in teen challenge, I was on discipline eight of those 12 months. You know what I mean? Okay. And it wasn't because I wasn't trying. I actually was trying. Cause I remember right before I graduated, my, my, one of the counselors in the second phase, he comes up to me and he goes, you're finally ready. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, 
Jay, most of these guys come through here. They've been in church and they got drug problems. We never see their issues come out. He goes, but you, I've seen you be on discipline the whole time. He goes, you're the ones that make it because you dealt with wow. your stuff. Wow. So I'm sitting there thinking I'm the first stuff. kid in this awesome. program. And actually, wow. they, they're looking at me as the one that's actually getting the most healed because my stuff is surfacing. So I remember wow. writing, I, writing the, the pastor a letter from the first phase because they treated me like their own kid. His name is Sal and his wife's Debbie. And, you know, they oversaw the program that I was in in North Carolina. And I just wrote them and I said, I'm sure there's been a lot more qualified people to to write you that you want to hire because they didn't hire any of these good qualified. ex. I mean, these graduates. I said, but, and I'm probably the, not the best. I said, but I'm asking you to hire me, not because you need me, but I need you. Wow. I was the one that he hired. And, wow. you know, it was interesting, man, because I was trying to like, even put some, put some guilt on him. Like, bro, I ain't got nowhere to go. You got to take me. You know what I mean? But when I got down there, I realized that he didn't hire these guys because they all went through the program and didn't let the program go through them. Hmm. You know, they knew how to put on the church face. They knew how to be a right. leader. But when you're in a wow. program like that, when you're getting help, you're not trying to demonstrate how strong you are. And I think that's where we blow it in church. Like we come in wanting to be noticed instead yeah. of just your stuff, man. That's huge, Still, man. Like you yeah. said, you said it. Like, I love that you, you, the guy, the guy in the teen challenge program, like called you out and said, like, you're finally ready. I love yeah. that. That's such like a word because a lot of us don't make it the long haul, even in our faith, even after we've had, let's say the quote unquote deliverance, we're never quite done dealing with stuff because we're always digging deeper into our identity. We're always digging deeper into our insecurities. We're always digging deeper. Every new season has an element of some new demons and attacks and assaults that kind of trigger, you know, part of our character that needs to be sculpted. And yeah. every season is a season of dealing with our stuff. Yeah. At some point, some people, some of us just stop dealing. It's just too painful. Yeah. And so we, like you said, we go through the program, but we don't let the program or we go through the motions. But we don't let God's motions go through us. We right. go through life, but we don't let life produce in us what God wants to produce in us. Right. It's like right. Israel leaving Egypt, but Egypt never leaving them. There were still oh. mindsets and stuff in them from their Egyptian living as Israelites that hadn't left when they were in the wilderness. So they died. A whole generation died off and a whole right. new generation was born and a whole new generation crossed over into the promised land that never knew Egypt. Right. You know, and it's like we can't cross over. We can't move ahead. We can't get out of the teen challenges of our lives. Totally. Right? unless we deal with our stuff. And so, hey, pause, a little commercial break. If you haven't already, I want to encourage you and you're wanting to take your supernatural leadership to the next level, visit supernaturalleadership.com and join one of our on-demand courses. It is going to change the game. So many amazing testimonies already have come out of people over the years taking this course content. I want to encourage you, sign up today. We have a special offer for you. And as well, if you want to go even deeper and take your leadership to the next level, I would encourage you. And maybe you've already thought about this before, but getting a coach, a one-on-one -on -one mentor. Well, I have an opportunity that I want to invite you into with myself, one-on-one -on -one mentoring and coaching. It may be a short time or even a longer time. We have many different co coaching packages that we offer. And I want to encourage you to consider this today. I believe it will take your leadership to the next level, dream interpretation, growing in your discipleship, growing in the word, maybe even preparation for you for vocational ministry and bringing the supernatural into every sphere of society. I wanna encourage you today, click the link in the description, fill out the survey and we'll see if coaching is a good fit for you. What's some of the stuff you feel like now, so after you get out of Teen Challenge, you know, you, you're serving there a year, you get out, life is new. You know, you get into this new season that you just kind of shared a little bit. Like now, what kind of stuff are you dealing with? Yeah. Like, I what mean, new stuff did you start to deal with? Like what is, what, right. what's been the journey for you? Well, the crazy thing is, bro, is I was like, so as soon as they heard that testimony, remember I said I shared for the first time 
everybody, all the, all the blinkers went on. Oh, wow. This dude's a son of a prostitute. So now I've become the poster child in the program of when they go to churches to have me share. Right. Because okay. like, people are getting touched by my so they're, story. They're, they're what we call they're, they're pimping you out on their platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they were doing it like my, my, my pastor, man, he was like, he knew that sometimes getting it out and letting you see that the church loves you is healing. Cause it really is healing. hundred percent. There's a healthy side of this that that that's yes. the position of their heart. Um, the issue is, is that because I personally wasn't all the way healed, I had mixed emotions. Number one, now I'm receiving gratification from an audience that I've never received before. So yeah, now praise, affirmation, God, love. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm like blown away because I'm special. So I wow. had this really dual challenge going on, bro. This is what's crazy. In one hand, I love the gratification. In the other hand, I was scared to death because I knew that I wasn't all the way healed. And back in those days, this is 26 years ago, you're seeing pastors fall. You're seeing people get disciplined harshly. So I'm thinking the more, the bigger the platform they give me, the more afraid I am that I'm going to mess it up because right. I know that I'm not all the way healed. So what that calls me to do out of just fear of losing this wonderful life that I have now is tell on myself all the time. Wow. Like, dude, I was like, screw this, man. Like I I've got, I've had guns put in my mouth. I've got scars on my head from being hit with 12 gauge shotguns. You know, I've jumped out. I mean, dude, I've done some crazy stuff for the devil. Why am I going to be afraid of this pastor and these church people? So when I did anything stupid, bro, I went straight to the leadership and told on myself the very next day. I'm like, <laughs> hey, I was with this girl last night. We were kissing and da, 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 da. Because back then you had boundaries, you know, hardcore I, boundaries. I, I, I love it how you say told on myself. Some people would call that confession. You call it telling on yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I, love yeah, I love it. I love I it. Did, yeah, because I was like, listen, because, you know, we were kind of raised like if you confess it, people know that you're like wanting to deal with it. But if you get caught, like you're hiding stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. So and I'm, you'd, I'm you'd already gonna... been caught. You'd already lived yeah, the life yeah, of yeah. being caught. So, yeah, you're way further along the journey of like you don't want that feeling again. So you're like, I'm getting yeah. it all out all the time. Yeah, I had this weird street mentality mixed with gospel stuff, even like telling on you, right? Like you're my bro, right? I can never go snitch on you. So I made my mind up to please God. I'm like, okay, I was practicing the street version of Matthew 18. I'm like, listen, I'm going to tell <laughs> Sean. Sean, listen, you go tell on yourself, bro, because I'm I'm not going to tell on you, but you better go tell on yourself. And if you don't, then I'm going to have to. So I confronted everybody. You know what I mean? Like, like out of like trying to, I was trying to please God, but I was also really afraid of consequences. And, and I tell people all the time, man, like even to this day, I wish that every time I made a decision, it was just because I wanted to please God. But I actually have learned a long time ago that there are consequences to your actions. Yeah. You know, it's like one of my buddies who I love dearly. I remember when he fell into adultery he didn't just ruin his marriage. He ruined his daughter and I had to restore his daughter. Mm. And so Christians, a lot of times we don't, we don't know that there's real consequences to our actions. Yeah. I have experienced consequences since I was a teenager. So I didn't want to face those consequences. So I would like, if I made a mistake, I would either tell on myself or I wouldn't make the mistake because I knew those consequences would come. I yeah. knew that there was a ripple effect and I didn't want to affect people. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, man, I just kind of really stayed close to the pastor. I was always the pastor's favorite in everything that I went to. And it's because I wanted to do ministry because I felt like if I'm called by God, I'm going to serve anytime I'm asked to serve. I, it didn't matter if there was volunteer stuff for the for Teen Challenge or if it was the Bible school that I went to. I was always first to say yes. Wow. But I was also very real with my leadership, not in a dishonoring way. I mean, if anything, I probably failed out as I I, I, I didn't know back then that the pastors made mistakes, too. Does that make sense? And I didn't yeah. criticize them for it. I just probably got a little bit of church hurt because I I I I I I had so much faith in these men of God, and um, I didn't realize like, hey, they're human. They make mistakes. Not only should I let, not only should I not let that hurt um, how I think of how I how I think of them, but also when they make a mistake towards me, how I let it make me think of myself. Because right. a lot of times when you're dealing with leaders, it's it's not like 
we always judge, well, don't think bad of that guy, you know, like give him grace. Like, you know, Sean, your, your congregation needs to give you grace. I agree. We do need to give you grace, but you know what? I also need to, when you make a mistake towards me, not let it hurt me as bad because right. that's the other end of the spectrum. And that's offense. what I was allowing yeah, picking that. Up offense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I was a fence towards myself. I let right. you, I let you make me think that there was something wrong with me. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Gave you too much power over myself. Right. You know, and, and so, you know, I'm in the world now where I'm trying to get people to like have grace on me as a pastor. Right. But back then, you know, I, I, I was like, yo, you, this, like, I, I, I have too high of an expectation on this person. That's mm. not a godly expectation. It's an unhealthy expectation. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And so, you know, um, man, I just kind of grew and, and, and you know what I, I, I was, I mean, dude, I was, I was even put on discipline because I was in a very strict, like charismatic Pentecostal church that I was working in as a youth pastor. As soon as I had an opportunity to go to Bible college, that's how I got to California. So I go to this Bible school oh, okay. in Assemblies of God Bible School. I come out here and um, it's in the hood, man. It's in the Latino Compton, Southgate. And, uh, and, 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 you know, I'm in this school. Now I'm around girls. Now I'm like trying to figure out who's my wife and I'm growing even more. And uh, I become a youth pastor for this really strict pastor. And um, and uh, man, I mean, he was strict, bro. Like 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 he he if if, if people would have gotten disciplined back uh, today, the way that I was getting disciplined back then, they wouldn't make it, man. I mean, guys like yeah. you, you are so nice and you, you father heart guys, you love people. I mean, I'm like that, too. But back then we were getting I mean, we would trade stories over who got the rebuke the hardest, you yeah. know, like. And so, but all of this was good for me. Like once I, once I realized that God is the one that's in control of my life and that if I submit to the Lord's plan, that he's got favor on me, even when I'm done wrong, does yeah, that make sense? God's sure. my defender. I percent And I, and I, I understand that, man. Cause like when I lived in the U S and I, I was being mentored as an intern, like I didn't grow up around the father heart stuff at all. Like I actually, was completely on probably on the same track. In fact, I was at in my the beginnings of my journey, I was at an AG church. Yeah. And I only knew hard discipline, hard rebuke. I mean, I got <laughs> I got booted off a trip once because I I I couldn't take the plugs that I had in my ears out because they were gonna bleed because I had stretched my ears so much. I had to drive five and a half hours home from Wisconsin because the pastor that I was uh, the church I was at didn't feel comfortable me me speaking and back then I had long dreadlocks big gauge earrings like I looked like a guy out of prison you know and I remember leaving that trip thinking man like I don't want to do ministry like if I and I came from Canada so very liberal like when I got saved I mean I'm at a church I'm wearing like my backwards hat my spike belt I mean I got wallet chains I got like bandana the whole thing and like I'm on the drums then I go yeah. to like the U.S. at a mega church. I gotta wear a suit and tie on Sunday. Put my dreadlocks up in a bun. Take my earrings out. Like it was a totally different world. And right. so I'm coming from like anti-church culture to church culture in the U.S., which is very different. Like it's like a bipolar experience. And I had to learn, like, man, like I I'm in a different culture now. I'm in a different yeah. space and. That was part of my character development. I would say, just like you, like the discipline that I got. And I, I sometimes I think the word discipline could be like twisted. It's like sounds like super bad. It's like you're being disciplined. You're put in a white room by yourself for like, you know, 24 <laughs> hours. Like it's not like jail or anything, but it's like I, I it, it was still painful because I had to have a maturity about me to remember that God called me to this. Yeah. And if God called me to this, I can trust the people around me that got my back, even if at times I disagree and feel like they don't, because I don't right. understand why I can't be in this environment by the way I look, you know? And man, I, I had that all the time. I and mean, when I had dreadlocks and I was actually a traveling itinerant, I would be pulled over all the time in the U.S., all the time internationally, strip search, bag search. I was escorted to a plane once with 10 police officers, security guards. They ripped my bag open, took my carry-on, met me at the gate. I was the last person on the runway to get on the plane. They held the plane just for me with like 250 people. Like it was like that was my life. 
but I learned how to deal with all of that when I was being disciplined and being mentored in that season of my life. And so yeah. I'm actually thankful. Yes. I, I mean, I remember speaking, man, like when I was first being mentored to speak and when I first got saved, I mean, my story is a little different than yours. Um, some similarities for sure. You know, I wasn't in teen challenge or anything, but I, I remember, man, when I moved to the U S I'd be put, I'd be given a mic to pray and I'd be like swearing at the devil in my prayer still. I didn't have a concept of the language element yet in that moment. He's like, bro, he's like, I remember someone telling me like, you can't swear in this church, like while you're praying. And I remember like all of that stuff helped me grow into the person I am today. Right. All I have to say is like hard discipline. Like we all need it. Like we need, yeah. I'd say go back to that a little bit, but we're so afraid now of abusive you know, leaders and toxic leaders and toxic this and that. Everyone's so hyper aware. It's like, man, you know what? Like sometimes we just need to. Oh, my mic just went out. We need to hear it like the way that we need to hear it. And sometimes it's just yeah. hard, you know, so yeah. to add that in. Yeah, no, I agree, man. And, and I, I, I like you, I am so thankful, man. Like there was a time where some of those leaders, man, I, I could not. I mean, I had to forgive them every day. You know what I mean? Like even when I was away from them, now that I'm healed, if there's anybody I want to thank more than anything, it's 100. them. Yeah, and too. they don't even know. They didn't even. They a lot of them have repented to me now. You know what I'm saying? Wow. But like, like, dude, you don't need to worry. Like, you made me, wow. and I'm not offended with you, but you taught me how to really trust in God. Because I a lot like you, I yeah. didn't. I had nowhere else to turn. I'm like, man, this ain't that hard. Like, like, I, it hurts emotionally, and I feel like giving up. But like, I have nowhere else to go. It's like looking at Jesus being Peter. Where else can I go? You know, this yeah. is, this is way better than the world, you know, and, and people always say, well, the world treats you better. Not for me. It didn't <laughs> The world like tried to kill me. Yeah. So I stood in it and I dealt awesome. with my stuff, man. And I, and then I got, I got fathers around me that were healthy and they started helping me look at the beauty of what I went through. And, 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 and man, I'm so grateful for it. And, uh, and now it's like, I live this really vulnerable life. It's like right now I'm in therapy right now, you know, my wife and I, because like you said earlier, every season there's different challenges, you know, like yeah. I was an incredible preacher. Like that's the thing, man. Like you were, listen, you were, or you still are. I don't, well, what <laughs> but, you said was, I was an incredible preacher. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I dedicated from 18 until whatever to learn how to preach and then, right. and, and I was fiery and, you know, when you have a really crazy story like mine or yours, like God gives gifts to the children, like he's the father to the fatherless. So I believe even some of the guys that we've seen that have fall, they were super gifted. And it's yeah. because God lavishes everything on you. So I had all these gifts. I I really studied the word. I studied preaching. I mean, I, I would go to sleep listening to it. I became really great at it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I can't wait to get married. And I didn't get married until I was 35 years old. And, 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 and now I know why, because as soon as I got married, I'm like, holy crap, I know how to preach, but I don't know how to be a husband. Right. I don't know how to be it. And then I had my first kid, bro. And I'm like depressed. I've got this amazing Christian wife who grew up in a pastoral family. And now I'm realizing nobody ever showed me at all how to be a dad. And a lot of us men struggle with That's that. Real, like I really struggle with that. So I went into therapy then and and it's been a it's like I'm starting over again still dealing with myself. Now check this yeah. out. Here's where it's interesting. Do I preach the gospel? Absolutely. The thousands of people get saved? Absolutely. The miracles break out? Absolutely. There was a time where I actually felt and this is really important, like I don't deserve to preach. Yeah. Like when, especially when that assembly is a God stuff, like, like I shouldn't be preaching because I got stuff in my life that I'm Because you're not perfect. Because exactly. not everything is in line the way that you think it should be based upon the narrative that you've heard. Right. Yeah. So what happened is when I got fully healed is when one of my mentors came around me and he goes, Jay, everything that you do on that platform, that's all God. That's what God does through you. Yeah. What you get to offer him is when you're off the platform. And why don't you start sharing from a place of vulnerability? Yeah. Because people are going to be amazed at the anointing on your life, yeah. but yet they're going to be attracted to the vulnerability. Yeah. So I, I created a lifestyle of like, yeah, I can be radical and I can do. And I mean, even to this day, 
I'm speaking to thousands of people, but I'm still that vulnerable person. But from a healthy perspective of vulnerability, even on this podcast is saying, yeah, my wife and I go to therapy. We're still growing in our stuff. We talk about it. We create a transparent culture in our church community because we want people to know that this is a long term process. Yeah. The anointing, the gifts are without repentance. And this is a it's healthy for us to always be used in our callings and our giftings. But the number one thing that I care about today is being a great husband and a great dad. And I'm I'm still scratching the surface of that. I love it, man. And it never stops, you know. And I think so many people find so much identity in all the stuff. Like you, you know, you kind of alluded to it. You know, you can do all the stuff, you can you can move in the gifts, you can preach well to thousands, everyone loves you, everyone's affirming you, everyone's thanking you for being awesome at the end of the day. What really matters is number one, of course, your identity in Christ, but your relationships that you go home to. Mm-hmm. And if you can't manage your own house, how are you going? To, I mean, this was leadership 101 that Paul was giving instruction to Timothy regarding and even Titus, like in Titus, like if you can't manage your own household as a man, mm-hmm. how can you manage the household of God? So how can oh. you preach to thousands and, and encourage the body of Christ when the body's at home right. struggling? You know, right. and are in dis in disarray and dysfunction and division. And it's not to say that hey, you're not gonna have seasons, man. Like there's ebbs and flows. You know, it's not that you're never gonna have moments where I know as a pastor and you're a pastor too. It's like I feel the shame all the time, just straight up. Yeah. Like I feel shame all the time. I'm like I teaching this, <laughs> and I'm still not perfect in this. And I'm reminded, <laughs> wait a minute, I don't have to be perfect in this. Somewhere I believe the lie that I'm supposed to be, and therefore. I can't have a platform unless I'm perfect. Right. That's just like the way we're wired, man. Like I've learned so much about the human wiring in this last season. I have these great uh, counselors and mentors in my life and, and they've helped me realize this even more. I thought I knew it, but I really didn't, you know, you don't really know things until you really know them and you have to actually apply them. You know, I didn't even know for years, man, like that. I, I felt shame on a daily basis. I thought, you know, I'm free from shame and condemnation. And as I dug in and realized, man, I got like 10,000 shame thoughts a day, you know, like, oh, I talked with too much tone to my wife there. Oh, I didn't, I wasn't present with my kids in that moment. They were telling me a story and I was looking away. I was distracted. Oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't go outside when they wanted me to go. Now it's bedtime and I feel guilt and shame that I didn't hang out with my son and do this thing. Like, man, like I'm hyper aware of it now. And not that I, let myself get governed by it, but I just process it, get it out. Because yeah. what I've learned in this last season is that when you are, and the science actually shows this on brain scans now, that when you are the authentic version of yourself and right. able to process the emotions that you're going through in right. and of yourself, within yourself, that's what actually creates connection. Like there is science that shows when I process my shame in front of you, I actually tickle that part of your brain that processes that same emotion. Absolutely. And, and that that is like Galatians, man. It's like what Paul said. He said, it is the law of the Lord to bear each other's burdens. Right. We are able to do that because we're, we're, we're open and vulnerable to share it. We can't Absolutely. do it. I can't carry your burden. I can't carry your load if you don't share it. If you don't process right. it, you hide it, hoard it. So yeah, you look like you're like the man on the stage, but I really don't know you because you don't share the authentic version of you. You don't share the vulnerable version of you. And that's the problem in much of where things have been at in a previous generation in the body of Christ. Everyone looks like they're the superhuman, superhero minister of God with no problems. And when they fall, everyone's dysfunctional. They can't manage themselves. But if we really had more of an authentic vulnerable engagement and connection when people do fall and they do make mistakes, man, it would be a totally different response. Absolutely. Totally different scenario. And so this, I think this is what kind of what you're, you're you're saying. I think it's so powerful because it all comes back to the end of the day. Where are we finding our identity? Yeah, totally, man. And I mean, you and I both know that, I mean, dude, there's been times in my walk with God where the supernatural flows and I'm, I think what we need to realize as believers is like the supernatural is always going to be there because it's supernatural. Yeah. But I've got to work on what's natural. 
<laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean, like right. the, it's the natural version. So, you know, I get around leaders, man, and all I hear them talk about is what they do and blah, 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 and all their testimonies. And I'm like, listen, bro, we all got those. Like, who are you? Tell me who you are. Who you, who, who are you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like yeah. we used to have a question like, so, so who is Sean? And, and, yeah. and you would tell me what you do. I'm a pastor. I'm like, yeah, but who are you? Yeah. You know, and, and most, most Christians and leaders, they don't know how to answer that. And, and for me, it's like, I'm kind of like Eminem from eight mile, you know, I'm going to come out and tell you, yeah, my mom lives in a trailer. Yeah. I'm this. Yeah. I'm that. You want to know why? Because if you don't like me because I'm vulnerable, we probably are not going to be friends. And the yeah. reason being is like this vulnerable lifestyle that I used to live in out of fear. Now I live in it out of faith. I love it. Who I am. And, and I feel so much more peace just being myself. And I invite people into stuff. And now my congregation, they they feel so safe to talk to me about even things that that they may have misunderstood about me. Mm. And, and 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 the church should be a hospital. You know, my mom, we, we talk about this, but when my mom was on fire for the Lord, she really tried to because uh, she's passed away now, but she really tried to go and reach our family members and. She was going to all these churches and she would just walk in the door out of just being pure and say, I used to be a prostitute. And, da, 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 da. and so like you would think everybody loved that, but they didn't. And yeah, she was wow. still pretty. So people were like, you know, they didn't know how to love on her. And wow. so I remember my mom going back to Alcoholics Anonymous. Do you guys have that? Yeah, in, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Canada? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She went back and, and she goes, Jay, I know you don't want me being here because I used to say it wasn't good. I'm like, Mom, through Christ, you're a new creation. You're not an alcoholic. You don't say, hey, I'm Greta and I'm an addict. No, you're a new creation because that's what helped me, that language. And she goes, Jay, I have to go to these meetings because this is the only place I can really talk about who I am. Wow. And this is the only place I can talk about. Wow. My that's so sad. That's so sad because man, that should be churches everywhere. 100%. Supposed to be relationships everywhere that's 100%. just that's yeah it's so sad i think you know i think we're talking about a lot new mic here in this uh court keeps coming out but i um you know i we're ta we've talked about a lot of things here we talked about dealing with our stuff you know how we can't transition until we deal with our stuff huge yeah. and of course we're always dealing with our stuff i don't want anybody to think that Hey, there's a point when everything is dealt with, then you can go. But there are seasons where I believe that God promotes us and allows us to move ahead, take a step forward when we've dealt with some specific things. Yeah. Not to say that we're not going to deal with some more things in the next season, because right. we are, you know, like you said it, you became a parent, you got married, man, layers of selflessness, layers of selfishness is exposed in those seasons, you know, as you marry and as you have kids and parent. And we talked about being vulnerable and about like, you know, really not finding our identity in what we do, but in, 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 in authenticity and being connected that way. And uh, just as we kind of close this, man, it's been such a good conversation. And I, I feel like we could have gone for hours just talking about this back and forth. What would you say to people out there listening right now that, man, they know they have an amazing, like, future they know they have amazing call on their life whether it's in business whether it's in uh, education government whether it's in media whether it's in church in some way vocationally whatever the case may be family what would you say to the guy the girl father the mother whoever that's like i got way too much crap to deal with and mm -hmm. what what kind of practical tools can you give us yeah in the next season or chapter of our life to apply, apply in some way to help us move forward from that mindset that maybe is holding us back. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're in a, you know, so what I'm learning about Gen Z, you know, um, cause they're different. I mean, I'm about to be 44 in two weeks, you know, and um, Gen Z, man, they, they actually kind of live this way. They're, they're kind of done with, you know, structure they they just want real and raw you know um now they do they do need to have grace on us because we're all trying to transition because you know we came out of like our grandparents and all they didn't really get deep you know what i mean like like i know that some of my pastors they love it when i'm transparent but like it's not easy for them because they weren't taught that so yeah. you and i kind of like the bridge where we know that we needed this but now yeah. the next generation they this is what they want 
Right. Yeah. Well, raw. They're raw and they're honest and a lot of churches can't handle it. Okay. So what's happening is there's got to be a shift where church cultures are now starting to learn to be transparent, Mm. learning to live this culture that you and I are having right now. Well, so my first would be find a community that lives. That's good. Like, like, you know, I, I need to be in a place that's healthy for me and, you know, I can't risk my family over that. So find a community that's actually learning how to live because transparency causes there to be, you know, vulnerability, vulnerability causes there to be safety. Safety is where we get healed. You know what I mean? And also give yourself grace, meaning that you're not giving your past to sin because the other side of the spectrum is, is like, oh, I'm okay. See, they're, they're jacked up. I can be jacked up. No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying. Right. We're saying that this, some things are fixed in one encounter. Some things are a process. And so you have to know that you're working on it regularly. It's like right now I can eat a healthy meal today, but that doesn't mean I'm going to look like you who's all in great shape. You know what I hey. mean? That's a year. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. But I'm Spirit on a journey. Yeah, we're on a journey, right? And, yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. I, then I think, I think the next thing is, is like what I'm really, really strong about, man, is making sure that the, the environment that I create, not just my church community, but my life, you know, like I'm very disciplined. And, you know, I, 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 there's things about me that happen every day, you know, and I'm real quick to cut something out. That's not helping me the right way. You know what I mean? So with some people, they, you have to make strong decisions to say, listen, I, I love myself enough and I love you guys enough that this is not healthy for me. So whether it's relationships, what you're listening to, what you're watching, you know, it's like you got to put yourself in a in a place where you're feeding yourself healthy and you're protecting yourself and in a vulnerable situation. But my first tip to anyone yeah. is find a leader that you're not just vulnerable with them, but they're vulnerable with you. Oh, I like that. You know Super what I'm saying? Cool. Yeah. 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 Like if I was a regular guy and I lived in Ottawa, I would go to your church because of how transparent you are. You know mm. what I mean? But and, and see, for some people, that shakes people up. You, you, everybody has to get it out of their mind that these leaders got it all together. Because yeah. what happens is, is when somebody like you is vulnerable, they're going, well, is he the right person? Because we want our leaders to perform better than us. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. And, and, and the true. reality is the ones that aren't sharing that, they actually got issues, too. I know 100%. these. I know yeah, a lot 100%. of these leaders. That they all got issues. You just don't yeah. know about them. Yeah. Get around the guys that are honest about it because they're creating an atmosphere where it's a safe environment where the journey can begin. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like politicians, man. Like I would rather have a raw, real, say stupid stuff sometimes politician. Yeah. And someone that's like prim and proper. And you kind of just don't know is like, are there anything real for them? Like, are they just reading a screen prompt every single time? Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that's not just politicians. It's anybody. Like, I'd rather have someone that can share from the heart authentically. Yeah. And feel that and not have it all together than someone that looks like they have it all together. But really, we know their life is probably crumbling on the inside. And that that leads me to this. To me, when I see somebody that has it all together, I really believe that there is people that have it all together. But my standard of what having it all together looks like this. They're vulnerable. They're constantly getting help. They're constantly working on themselves and they're constantly Good. letting you know what they're working on. So awesome. that makes Yeah. So I, I'm I I feel like you and I, Sean, because we both love communication codes. We both love therapy. We both, so we're the people that you want to follow. Follow me for the way I follow Jesus. Mm. Not follow me because I am Jesus. No, follow me right. for the way I'm doing this. I like that, I man. set an yeah. example for you to follow. The way I'm dealing with my stuff is the way you need to deal with your stuff. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it's so, awesome. Yeah, that to me is the clutch, man. And, 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 and listen, especially in our stream, we love the supernatural. We love miracles. We love all this stuff. We love all these powerful things. And and we have to realize those were here before we ever got here. And they will always be here because God is supernatural. He gets all the credit for that. Yeah. But I want to be in this thing for the long haul, yep. you know, and, and I feel like I represent him in saying, in this season, I'm doing what most preachers would dream to do. And I'm telling you, it doesn't affirm me as much, I'm encouraged that I get to do this, but I'm more affirmed when I go home and my wife sees me growing and we're working through our stuff and my kids Amazing. see me growing. That's what I care about, man. Amazing. 
Yeah. That's amazing, man. I love that, man. I, I, I love this conversation. I love every, like I said, this could be like three parts because there's so <laughs> many layers. Like I, we could talk about the dealing with your stuff part for the whole time. We could talk about the vulnerability aspect, the human connection aspect. I love it all. Thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate your, your vulnerability, even the time just like hanging out with you not too long ago and just connecting with you. I appreciate all that God has put on the inside of you. And, uh, yeah, I'm just excited, man. I'm excited for this generation. I'm excited for what's going to happen in the next generation. I'm excited for what God's going to do in the body at large in this coming season. And I think a lot of what he's going to do is centers around what we've been talking about today. And I think that, uh, you know, if you're listening out there and you, you heard some of the encouragement from Jay about this season, that one thing that stands out to me many among many things, find a community, find a community uh, that's vulnerable, find a community that you can be vulnerable with, find a leader that you can do both with. That is huge advice. And I would encourage you, like, let that be on your prayer radar for the next 21 days. If you are disconnected, if you feel isolated, if you feel like maybe you're the business guy out there, you're too busy for community. Listen, you're, you're too busy not to have you're too busy for community that it's it's you're living in a dangerous space you're living in a dangerous a dangerous place if you're too busy for community because community having connection and relationship actually scientifically shows that it will actually show increase in your productivity in business when you have healthy wealthy relationships it actually has the ability to ramp up everything you do in your productivity. You may be capped in your business right now and limited and restricted in your business because you don't have connection. You don't have community. You don't have those real vulnerable relationships. When you get those, I believe 100% you will see increase in your business. You will see increase in your career. It's like a business guy trying to build a massive business when their kids hate them, want to leave their house, their marriage is falling apart, man, you can't build significantly when all that's happening. So you need that community. You need that support. So I'd encourage you find community, find leaders out there. You can be vulnerable with, vulnerable with and watch what God does. Jay, you're the man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day for this episode. Uh, we love you. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah. I mean, of course, social media, Jay Koopman, um, which I'm sure my name will be up there. Yeah. Um, you know, pray for me. I am writing this book right now. Um, it's my story and it's got so many, it's like watching a mafia movie. You know what I mean? I want people to see like what someone's been through. And I'm also going to write in the book, like how I got help, like some of the stuff we talked about today. Um, and even kind of give people a picture of where God's brought me, you know, um, from just, just being real, you know? Um, and, uh, and, you know, of Love course, we're doing Let Us Worship events. We're, we are coming back to Canada next year. So we'll be in touch with you guys about that. Sean's our guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I wanted to say one more thing, man, because I felt like you said something that stirred in me in the closing to, to all the pastors out there. If you guys have seen people throw drugs on our stage, I don't see that happen a lot in ministry over the past 26 years. You see people raise their hands battling with homosexuality. I don't see that. Every time I walk up the platform, people have came up to me and they've kind of told me the reason why they threw it on the platform is because when I was on the stage calling it out, they felt safe. Wow. I think they felt safe because I live this way. When you live a certain way, you can create Man. an atmosphere like that. I love it. I love it. And they feel safe because I know this and I've seen you because you create a space for vulnerability. You are vulnerable. You are not trying to yeah. perform in a way that sort of demonstrates this other ego or alter ego side of you. You just are who you are. And that actually connects with people. Yeah, totally. Period. And so people feel safe. Hey man, if he, if he can be open and honest, so can I. Totally. And, and I, I say this in closing, um, people are paying attention to all the leaders in our stream. And even in America that have fallen the past, you know, God knows how long. We're seeing it every day. It's like like all these things. When we say people are being exposed, listen to me. Don't get exposed. Just expose yourself daily and be okay with it. Like, like we need guys. We need to be in this thing for the long haul, man. Even saying this right now, I'm convicted. 
because I just want to go and get more healed. Does that make sense? Wow. Love it. And it's not fear, man. It's just, I want more of God and I want to give up more of me, you know? And, and so guys create an atmosphere, man, where you're being vulnerable and it draws out vulnerability and let's heal a generation. (laughs) Oh, I love that, man. I love that. I might call this episode, the power of telling on yourself. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I might call this episode. That's awesome. That's that's awesome, man. Hey, listen, everybody that's listening out there watching, uh, keep an eye out for Jay's book. It's going to come out when? Do you have like a date? I'm hoping by the beginning of the year. It's yeah, I'm hoping around the beginning of the year. We're working on it now. And uh, if it's somewhere around the beginning of the year in Jesus name. Is it like PG-13? Is it like G? Yeah, it's going to be like it's going to be like Nikki Cruz, you know, on steroids. You know, okay, okay. it's going to tell the truth, man. We're going to we're going to give people something to read. And, you know, I, I notice a lot of Christians like watching like my wife. She loves watching like, you know, these crazy crime movies. You know what I mean? I'm going to give you a real one and it's going to be Jesus showing up in it. <laughs> crazy, man. Well, hey, listen, watch for it. Get his book when it comes out. All his info will be in the description uh, below. Follow him on social media. I know you'll get, you know, updates on when that's coming out. Once again, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. My name is Sean Gaby. Remember, everyone has a leader within. So let's make that leader a little more supernatural. Until next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.